This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Holding up the sign. Rapid fire. Last two. Question mark, exclamation point. Yeah, totally. Let's get 10 more. Buckle up. Let's keep going. You strapped in, Jesse? I'm ready. Hey there, listeners, future callers, and cooking enthusiasts. This is Dinner SOS, the show where we help you save dinner, or whatever you're cooking. I'm Chris Morocco, food director of Bon Appetit and Epicurious. And today, it's the second half of our Thanksgiving call-in show. A few weeks ago, we opened up the phone lines and took calls from listeners like you for a few hours. And honestly, it was a blast. If you haven't listened to part one yet, don't worry. You can absolutely start here and then go back to the beginning. Choose your own adventure. My wonderful co-hosts for this episode are once again Epicurious contributing editor Maggie Hoffman, Epicurious food editor Jesse Shefchek, and Bon Appetit and Epicurious editorial operations manager Kate Casson. After the first half of our show, we needed a break and a snack before we hopped back on to take some more calls. And we are back. We are topped up on cheese and charcuterie and wonderful focaccia. Thank you so much, Jordan and Michelle. How's everybody feeling? Ready to save some lives. Yeah. Okay. Or at least some Thanksgivings. Yeah, at least a few Thanksgivings. Maybe even just make a couple days better. I don't know. I feel like people get so stressed out about Thanksgiving. It's a lot at once. It's a lot. All at once. Thank you, Jesse. Um, all right. I understand Tamar has been... <laughs> waiting so patiently. Let's have her jump in here. Tamar, it's Chris. How are you? I'm good. I'm reading your notes here. Kosher Thanksgiving, turkey or dairy? Wow. Do have like, have I summed it up or is there additional layers of nuance and intrigue to bring to the situation? Yeah, I guess my issue is that I'm from Mexico City. I've lived here in Chicago for nine years now, and I've always loved hosting Thanksgiving. But my one issue is that of choosing between turkey and dairy, especially because I'm basically the only one who cares. <laughs> um, like my husband's not really kosher. My friends are not. So I don't want to make, you know, like a less perfect Thanksgiving by switching things up. But I would also love to enjoy the whole dinner also because I'm usually the one cooking everything. Absolutely. You deserve that. You're putting in the work. I'm on team Tamar here. <laughs> So do you have a strong feeling one way or the other? Because either way, we're going to back you up and we're going to figure this out. So I feel like the turkey is always what makes it look like Thanksgiving. But at the same time, I'm not really a fan of turkey. And I love desserts. I love baking. So I don't like, you know, trying to make a vegan dessert or something like that. And, you know, the other options always like me not eating the turkey and just no, that's out this year. No, I, I don't think so. You didn't just wait for an hour for us to jump on the line only to have to sit there while everybody else eats turkey and you don't. Um, I'm saying this is the year without turkey. So we're going in on dairy. 
Yeah? Okay, I have three heads violently nodding, okay? So Kate. call me a carnivore or a fishivore, but I think that your show-stopping main this year should be roasted salmon with citrus salsa verde. Sorry, to pause for a sec, fish doesn't count for the purposes of the laws of the cash route. Fish is all right as long as it's not shellfish fish is all right. or bottom feeder. Sorry for my ignorance. Okay, um, keep going. I make this recipe every year on Passover. It is really nice because you put it in the oven and kind of forget about it for 30, 35 minutes, which is really rare with fish. I think what makes fish for a crowd really difficult is that you kind of have to tend to it and flip it over and get that crispy skin. This is 250 degrees, 30 minutes, you forget about this large slab of salmon that you put shallot and orange zest and lemon zest and oil into a large baking dish. And then you make this salsa verde on top, which is like cilantro and parsley and garlic, more of that citrus zest. I love serving it on Passover or really anytime I have to cook for a crowd. It's really tasty, but then it also goes well with every side dish. So no matter if you're doing, you know, side dishes with dairy or not, I think it's a lovely dish to put in the center of your table. No one will think, wow, we have to have this kosher Thanksgiving. You're really just having Thanksgiving without the turkey. Instead, you have delicious roast salmon. And it's from a restaurant in L.A. called Botanica. And I legitimately have made it four years in a row for the Jewish holidays. And it's always such a crowd pleaser. Fully agree. It's a great one. I can offer up one more fish recipe because I know that some people think of salmon as kind of, you know, oh, we have that every night at home. Our foolproof fish with spiced chickpeas. Also one of my favorite fish recipes that you throw in the oven and forget about. You can use any white fish, cod, halibut, haddock, hake. It sits on chickpeas with like raisins and red wine vinegar and carrots and is spiced with a little bit of turmeric. So I'm team salmon here, but if you do not want to make a salmon, that could also be a really lovely main for your Thanksgiving table. I think with both of these fish recipes, there's so much richness. So it feels really, you know, celebratory. And then you can, as you're thinking about the sides, think about things that are both going to like soak up the juices and the sauces or like be a sort of bright counterpart, whether that's like a snappy green bean instead of a green bean casserole kind of situation. Love it. Tamar, are you feeling empowered about abandoning turkey this year? Yes. Is there anything else that you would do to make it like classic Thanksgiving without the turkey? I mean, you have great options just in having chosen to go meatless. Like obviously things like mashed potatoes. I'm thinking of like Zainab Issa's mashed potatoes from last year. She uses the potato skins, thinly slices them and crisps them up in oil and uses them as kind of like a crunchy topper on the mash, which is just super fun and a kind of like level up. As soon as you put like cranberry sauce, mashed potato or some other kind of festive potato dish, stuffing, you know, obviously so many great iterations of meatless stuffing, like simple as best dressing. We brought this recipe back into our November issue this year because it's just one of those iconic recipes that has proven itself year after year and has become one of our most popular Thanksgiving recipes. And it's one of those, the first instances that I saw in the test kitchen way back when, probably about 10 years ago, of like being like really chunky, hand-torn pieces of bread, really craggy with the crust left on, barely held together with like a very light, savory custard broth and egg. Lots of aromatics, lots of butter. For me, as soon as you put stuffing 
pudding, cranberry, mashed potato, all those other elements on the table, let alone a green bean casserole or some other green bean-based dish. To me, like, that is Thanksgiving. So I feel like you have all the elements you need. My personal belief is that, you know, nobody's really going to miss the turkey all that much if you hit some of these other notes. I don't know. Prove me wrong. But like Tamar, I feel like you're putting in the effort. You know, you deserve a meal that you are just as happy to enjoy sitting down to eat. So I'm hoping it goes off without a hitch. But I guess we'll see, right? Yeah, that sounds great. All right. Take care. Hi, Maureen. How are you? Good, Chris. Uh, Thanks for taking my question. It's so exciting to talk to you. How are you? Oh, I'm super well. We're having so much fun here. Your your SOS is like, this is like, talk about champagne problems. How did you get into this mess? What decisions have you been making? And and how did things turn out this way? Um, Well, at the end of summer, I I got it in my head that I was going to do this project. I was going to make rhubarb hand pies. And I made all the dough and then something came up and something else came up. And I abandoned the project, but I froze all the pie dough. And then I was thinking about the holidays and like, obviously I could do a pie, like a just right pumpkin pie found it delicious or maybe something savory for the actual feast. But also I'm trying to get inspiration from you guys if you have any ideas for like breakfast the morning of or like dinner the night before or just something to have around for the weekend for when people get sick of Thanksgiving food. Like I could make, you know, calzones or something. Just how much pie crust are we talking about? It's not that much pie dough. I'm looking at my notes here. So it's, it would it was enough to make 24 hand pies, which allegedly is the same amount as three single crust pies. Okay. So, you know, okay. you guys can do whatever math you do, but... I love this notion of savory pie. Can you use just, like, straight-up short crust, like, pie dough, Jesse, to, like, top, like, a pot pie? I think you can totally use just a regular pie crust. You can kind of cook any vegetables or make any filling, like, any pot pie filling and drape a sheet over it and bake it, and it would go well with it, and it would totally work. Even if it's something kind of saucy? I think so, yeah. I think, like, that that texture of like saucy with like the crisp yet kind of gone soggy pie crust is nice. Yeah. I think people don't think enough in this country about savory pie. Like, I just don't think it exists, like, in the same way that it does, you know, in other cuisines. Like, I was literally, I was just at this place, Stargazy Pies in South Philly the other day. And, like, they ha- I had this sag paneer pie mm. that was just, like, mind-bendingly good. Just sag paneer, crisp pastry, done. Now, in terms of sweet applications for your pie... I don't know. My thoughts on pumpkin pie are now well documented. I feel like I have to recuse myself from any conversation of pumpkin pie altogether <laughs> because I start start sounding like the Grinch of Thanksgiving, you know? I just think it's a very underwhelming pie most of the time. Actually, Chris, I agree. See, I knew. I knew I liked you, Maureen. Pumpkin pie is just sort of expected to be there, so I'm happy to make one. And, you know, I enjoy it when I eat it, but I'm open to any other sweet pies. I love fruit pies is what I tend to prefer. But I could, you know, French milk pie, whatever. Like, I'm open to any suggestions. I love the skillet pot pie and the sag paneer. It's interesting. I mean, I love, like, I love a a fruit-based pie as well. But this year, you know, for the November obviously the the Thanksgiving issue, we really leaned into the more kind of custardy side of pie. And I, that's a style of pie that I, again, like I love. Jesse's worked on like a French silk pie recently. We've done like a banoffee pie this year that was like dynamite from Shilpa. We've done a buttermilk pie. 
And then there's like infinite variations of adjacent styles like chess pie, pudding pie, etc. But Jesse, what was your take on French silk pie? Yeah, so French silk pie was something I grew up with in the Midwest. So I really wanted to see it on Epicurious. And the one on the site is photographed in like an Oreo crust, but you can totally blind bake a pie shell and then fill it with this filling. And this is melted chocolate that is whipped with butter. It has whipped cream folded into it, whipped eggs. So it's like light on light on light. And then it's topped with whipped cream. And it's like super nostalgic, very old school and like very good. I also think like chocolate at Thanksgiving, like why not? I think people do it. But I was going to say, I think we should expand the pie moment. Like eating a whole Thanksgiving meal and then a bunch of different pies is a lot. And you might get more enjoyment out of your pie effort if you start eating pie several days before. I feel like maybe you have people who are in from out of town or people are back home for the holiday. You could invite people over for some pie a couple of days before. You don't have to have a whole dinner. It's much lighter lift. And then you can start introducing pies to your week like four or five days before. And then you can make all the different pies that you want and use all that crust. I love that. Another thought is, uh, are you feeling with Pandowdies? It's fine if you're not because I'm not. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think many people are. That's why I ask. Um, It's fruit filling. And then on top, it's like chopped up either pie crust or puff pastry or something along those lines. So if you're really trying to use up pie crust, you can make a fruit filling of some sort. We have an apple pandowdy on the site that calls for puff pastry. You could very easily do the same exact technique and cut your uh, pre-made pie crust into pieces, put it on top, and it kind of makes this crumble pie in between zone that's really good. I also, I feel like I misspoke. Like, I do think Americans are familiar with the style of savory pie, which is to say quiche. And if you're looking for, like, a breakfast kind of, like, centerpiece, my gosh, they're a bit of work, you know, with, like, the the blind baking and, like, the two-step nature of that bake. But, wow, like, what a knockout of of a dish to be able to put down and then kind of supplement with, like, other things around it. I, I feel like, Maureen, three rounds of dough, like, might not be enough. I think you need to go out and you need to, like, make more pie dough. Honestly, I I agree. When you started talking about, you know, starting several days before, I was thinking, and I might even, I saw in the Thanksgiving issue that actually perfect pie crust, that was not the recipe I used. Maybe I could even try, because I don't bake, I would love to try, like, a different pie crust. Try that one. Honestly, the actually perfect pie crust, I'm really glad you brought that up. Like, that's one that Shilpa developed a little while ago because we realized, like, over the years, we've just developed so many different versions of pie crust. And we really, with that exercise, we set out to create kind of one pie crust to rule them all. And I think what an experience for you to try to work with two different doughs because let's face it, I think pie can be intimidating for folks and it's not necessarily the making of the dough. It's like it's rolling it out. It's working with it. It's shaping it. I Mm -hmm. have personally been humiliated by pie dough, you know, on more occasions than I care to remember, you know, like it'll sneak up on you. You can have a bad pie day, you know, but like try, you know, live the experience for yourself, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I love, I was looking at the recipe because I have that issue, the cream cheese. Yeah. I know. I, I love that because I think cream cheese is the most underrated ingredient in the kitchen. So I love that idea. You guys are so creative. Thank you so much for all of your ideas. We're going to take a break. When we get back, you guessed it, it's more listener questions. 
From the creators of Who Smarted, Starglow Media comes a brand new podcast called Mysteries About True Histories. Uh, does that sound serious enough? Uh, Max, we only have 30 seconds for this promo. Just tell them how your mysterious aunt recruited us into a secret order of problem solvers who travel time and have epic adventures. I don't have to. You just did. Catch new episodes of Mysteries About True Histories every Thursday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. And we're back with a special Thanksgiving call-in edition of Dinner SOS. All right, we are going to Gabriella from North Carolina. Here we go. Hi, Gabriella. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Doing super duper. I hope the rest of the gang is too. Yeah, we're all hanging in, right? How's everyone doing? Quick check. Go around the table. Kate, how are you feeling? Surviving. Oh, stop. You're like making puns about flying and you're doing just fine. Jesse. Yeah, she's killing it. I'm good. I'm good. It would help if we had some pie. Yeah, it would yeah. It would have helped if we had some pie. <laughs> Gabriella, tell the rest of the team, what is it you're looking for? Sure. Main issue is that this is my husband and I's first year not going home to Michigan for Thanksgiving. So we're doing a Thanksgiving with about 15 friends down here in Durham. And the friend with the biggest house is hosting. But unfortunately, that house also has the teeny tiniest little kitchen <laughs> of any of our friends' homes. Classic. And it, there's like zero counter space. It's just such a struggle. And I'm just seeing everyone walk in the door and putting crock pots on the floor like yeah. in my head, which just sounds like a nightmare. So I was looking at like electric food warmers and stuff like that. But things start getting really pricey mm -hmm. and I was like, I'm, I'm sure the guys at Bon Appetit have some tips and tricks for how to A, travel with food and B, keep it warm at, at least for a couple hours in such a tight kitchen space. What is the dish you will be bringing? I'm doing a dressing. Someone else is doing mashed potatoes, okay. another green bean casserole. Basically, the hosts are doing a lot of chilled things or like not hot prep items. There's about half a dozen items that we're looking to kind of okay. figure it out. I feel like you you drew the the long straw, like the not bad straw in a certain sense. Like, I think there's a hierarchy to how warm most foods need to be. And I think mashed potato is one of those, like, it's got to hit the plate hot. I fear for that person. I feel like dressing, it's like, if it's not piping hot, it's not the end of the world. Right. Warm is nice. The first thought that I have is like, number one, you are making it the day ahead. You are putting it back into the oven right before you leave. You are wrapping it in like six layers of aluminum foil, even like bubble wrap, you know, around that sort of like hot foil, like when it comes mm -hmm. out, like inside of a blanket. And then you are putting that inside, you know, like the cold hot bags, like the cold bags, like from the grocery store. You're then putting it in that and then you're like sealing it up and then you're just hoping for the best. But but what you're not doing is worrying about it because it's 
Friendsgiving and it's about being together and, like, you tried, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't think you need to resort to, like, any kind of theatrics or heroics once you get to your friend's place. However, the mashed potato person, that's where I'm like, you know what? Like, a can of Sterno wouldn't be out of place. Do you guys have a warming <laughs> tray? Any kind of, like, warm service apparatus? Do you have, like, a Gary Dole? I have an extra crock pot, and I was thinking I could bring Ooh. that purely to, like, put it, like, a towel in and then put something on top in there and keep it on warm. I feel like the crock pot is, like, the play for your mashed potato pal. I think they need it more than you do, if that makes sense. Growing up, my mom would serve them in a crock pot on Thanksgiving, the mashed potatoes. Yeah. And it worked great. Yeah, no, I believe it. I feel like this group can do a little inventory, and this is true wider for other folks who haven't called in, too, that, like, the inventory is what are the implements that are available? Is there a grill? Is there an insulated cooler? Is there a toaster oven that mm-hmm. could fit a certain size? You know, there's lots of different tools that could be used. And like it could be fun for some of the rewarming to happen on a grill. Yeah, I feel like I'm like jumping ahead to like the worst case scenario, which is like you're basically camping and you're doing like, you know, Friendsgiving in a field, you know. <laughs> but but I mean, there is a kitchen of some sort there. You know, just the, the gift of like transporting your dish in your own pot to be in charge of reheating them and then putting them out and then taking that pot away and cleaning it back at your own house is like part of the true meaning of Friendsgiving, right? It's like you're you're bringing the right. mess and you're taking it away. So as long as there's access to like a stove for the people who truly need to triage their kind of like, you know, um, the word was that came to mind was heat-seeking dishes. That is not correct at all. The, the the dishes that want to be warm, you know, you can divide up like what what truly needs to be hot and uh, what is fine at like room temp. Or... I am having a vision right now of a rice cooker plugged into the wall in the living room. I am a huge rice cooker person. And you could even plug it in the bathroom. Doesn't need to be in the kitchen. It's pretty self-contained. So, you know, you might have a friend making some kind of wild rice pilaf or, you know, a rice dressing. Or my family's Thanksgiving table always has a pot of just jasmine rice. So, you know, anything that you're making that's kind of grainy or ricey, whether you're making it the day before or the day of, what's so wonderful about a rice cooker is that it doesn't necessarily need to recook your dish. A lot of rice cookers, the zojirushi that we love, just kind of senses how much warming your rice needs and then we'll keep it warm on the keep warm function. And you can literally plug that in to any outlet in the living room, dining room, bedroom. So I would bring a rice cooker. And put whatever grain or ricey dish that you have into that said rice cooker. It's great. I really like the approach of taking kind of an appliance inventory and seeing what we've got to work with from there in terms of keeping things warm. Um, So yeah, very helpful. Definitely feeling a bit more at peace about that. Okay. All right. Well, listen, (laughs) thank you for calling in. I'm sure whatever happens, it's going to be great. Hi, Haley. Hi. What can we help you with? Every year, my dad and I have this little cook-off competition that we do amongst ourselves. And the parameters of that competition are each year we have to make a new dish for Thanksgiving. And we can't have made that dish previously. We've been doing it for 
probably like three or four years now. And I feel like I'm kind of running into a rut this year with ideas for what to make. And we like to do something that is kind of like a spin on a more traditional aspect. Like some things that we've done in the past are Calabrian pepper chorizo stuffing was one that I really like. Mm. So just something that's kind of like a little more adventurous, get the like creative juices flowing again. I'm looking for different ideas of what I could possibly bring for this Thanksgiving. Okay, I'm going to say one thing, and I feel like people are like literally leaping out of their seats because everybody's having thoughts. <laughs> My favorite Thanksgiving story I have ever worked on, hands down, contained zero of my own recipes. It was the recipes we did with Josh Walker of Xiaobao Biscuit in Charleston, South Carolina, who completely reimagined what Thanksgiving food could be. Examples include a broiled ginger dressing that went on uh, kale. It's like literally broiled skin on ginger. You broil it for like 40 to 45 minutes until it is like blackened. And then you blend it with a whole slew of delicious things and put it all over kale. And it just like, it takes something that's both like familiar and comforting, but like turns it on its head from a flavor perspective. Same thing with creamy nok chom on roasted carrots. And then the pièce de résistance, well, there were two of those. There was like a stuffing fried rice that was literally chunks of stuffing crisped and then turned into to fried rice. And then there was cornmeal bao. Basically, it's like a jiffy cornbread-based steamed bun recipe with a black pepper turkey breast. And again, it was just like taking Thanksgiving staples, reimagining how to use them, and just going boldly into new flavor territories. Cannot speak highly enough of that menu. Yeah. So in the latest print issue of Bon App, Hannah and I worked on the story, which were classic side dishes, kind of reimagined with a little twist. So Hannah had some really fun ones. She did creamed onions a la vodka using the tiny little like pearl onions. And they're just like really fun and really creamy. She also did these teriyaki style Brussels sprouts. And then the one that I did was I did a play on Hasselback potatoes, but we used tiny little new potatoes and we Hasselback those. And it's on top of this like swooshy bed of a sour cream and onion dip. And it's really fun. It's a bit of a project because you have to Hasselback all them, but I posted a photo on Instagram and there's so many responses of people just responding to the visual alone of it. Love that. You know, I really feel like there are moments where you can go wild and there are moments where people might be more upset if you go wild. For me, I feel like you have a lot of freedom in the world of cranberries, especially if you're making like a, one cooked that's more traditional and one raw that's maybe more exciting. Last year or maybe two years ago, I tried like a whole bunch of cranberry relish recipes um, and we have a lot of them on the site. There is a great one um, from Anna Thomas that uses Fuyu persimmons, Whoa. which are one of those like this is available right now. You can't get it in the spring. It's super simple. It's not a lot of effort. The raw cranberries, a navel orange, Fuyu persimmons, a little salt and sugar and lemon. I really like that one. There's also a raw cranberry date relish with ginger from Christine Sahadi Whalen mm. of the Sahadis family. Yeah. Her recipe has pitted dates and crystallized ginger and scallions and the cranberries, and it has lime and jalapeno, cilantro, and ginger. It's so good. Haley, how are we doing so far? 
I was trying to write down the names of everything that you guys were telling me because everything sounded really delicious. I will say my dad has claimed the cranberry sauce this year. And so we kind of stay clear of what the other one is doing. But those are great ideas for the year after, too. Do you keep score year over year? Is there like a, an annual scoreboard you get out every November? We should do something like that. But the past couple of years, my mom has been the judge and she's just too nice. She likes to make everybody happy. Haley, this is your year, so go get them, okay? All right. Thank you so, so much. I appreciate it. So nice to chat with you. We're going to take another break, but stick around for more answers to your listener questions. Hi, friends. I'm Cameron Rogers, mental health advocate, mom of two, content creator, and host of Conversations with Cam. This podcast is dedicated to having honest conversations, prioritizing your well-being, and reminding you that no matter what you're feeling, you are not alone. We'll discuss mental health maintenance, the ups and downs of motherhood, the trials and tribulations of life, and have a lot of fun along the way. Whether you're knee-deep in diapers or just trying to keep your sanity intact, this podcast is for you. Expect laughs, maybe a few tears, and hopefully some breakthroughs along the way. Make sure to subscribe and tune in for new episodes of Conversations with Cam every Wednesday morning. This is Dinner SOS. Hi, Barry. Thank you so much for your patience. Oh, don't worry about that. I am trying to adapt one of my mother's recipes from way back that she used to make. It is a stuffing that she would take one of the packaged cubes of stuffing and she would doctor it with chicken livers, a lot of caramelized onions, and then Sacramento tomato juice, which somehow landed up in absolutely everything to me. I am trying to update this to be both vegetarian and not use anything that's pre-packaged. I have been looking at your simple is best stuffing and was thinking about how I can maybe either swap out the chicken broth or the tomato juice or tomato juice and vegetable broth or something along those lines. I just haven't seen any recipes that quite, you know, have tomato juice in it. It's kind of unusual. Wow, Barry, you just took me on a journey. I thought this was going to be a layup. Like, like, just let's take it one step at a time. Sacramento tomato juice? Where did this compulsion come from with your mom? I think that there is a certain area, either in Brooklyn or otherwise, in that Sacramento tomato juice, certain Jewish communities used it for a lot of things. So yeah. my mother made her brisket in it. She made a turkey in it. I've seen a number of other Ina Gardner actually use Sacramento tomato juice in some of her recipes. It's very specific tasting tomato juice. And it kind of, it's so salty, it brines everything and is the basis on a lot of her recipes. Okay, so... You were looking at the simple as best dressing, but you you want to make it vegetarian. And your question is, in t- removing the chicken broth, might one substitute it with tomato juice? Or is there another play? Yeah, is there a play of um, either a different recipe that already has something that's a little bit more tomato-y so it doesn't feel out of place? Or is it how to kind of sub that out? Should it be mostly vegetable broth or a little of the tomato? 
something along those lines is really why we're trying to yeah. get that flavor of that tomato in there. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, for folks who aren't familiar with it, Simple is Best Dressing. This is a recipe that was developed by Victoria Granoff about 10 years ago or so. It's a perennial favorite. Already came up briefly with a previous caller. It's got literally parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme, like a full spectrum herb experience. It has a healthy amount of butter. It has other aromatics like onion, celery. It's got, you know, egg. So yeah, there is chicken broth in there, but I have to say, Barry, I mean, relatively little of the flavor is coming from that chicken broth. If you put in, you know, three parts veg broth with one quarter part, um, did I just do that right? Sorry, not a mathematician. Um, <laughs> three parts chick, no, three parts veg broth, one part tomato juice. There it is. Um, I think you would be in great shape. It is a wonderful dressing recipe. You know, start with some great bread, leave the crust on. The crust just kind of, it gets like super burnished and like wonderfully caramelized as it bakes uncovered in the oven in the second portion of the baking process. It's just a great dressing. And I think you are sacrificing so little in making it vegetarian. Like, honestly, you're you're not operating out of a deficit. That's awesome. Okay, thank you so much. I love that. I very much appreciate the advice and help. Absolutely. Let us know how that turns out. And so interesting about the tomato juice angle. I hope it goes well. And um, yeah, have a wonderful holiday, okay? Thank you, you too, guys. All right, Barry. Be well. Thanks. Bye. Last one. Best one. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Maggie? I'm in. Okay, Jesse, we're only doing it if we're all in it together. I'm ready. Okay, great. Thank you. Here we go. Hi, Claire. Hello, hello. Tell us, what what are you looking at? What can we help you with? So um, I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, and due to some just unexpected circumstances, like me and my family aren't going to be able to get together in New York this year. So I will be celebrating Thanksgiving here in Philly with my boyfriend. Um, we did this once before in the peak of the pandemic. We actually ordered in Thanksgiving from like a really nice restaurant, which shall remain nameless, just mm. <laughs> because we were ultimately pretty disappointed when the turkey came uh. back to land and the stuffing was just over seasoned and dry. Like, not good. But we are pretty committed this year to cooking it for that reason. Um, And we don't want to do anything traditional. So no marshmallows, sweet potatoes here. Um, I'm really just looking for your expert recommendations on what a good, like, main protein for two people could be. So, like, I've never roasted a whole chicken. I've kind of always wanted to tackle that mountain. Do we, like, buttermilk brine it? Or do we go with, like, pork shoulder open to feedback there. And then what some like just good two to three sides, like a veg or a potato that will feel special from what you would just like normally roast on a weekday night. I mean, if you've never roasted a whole chicken, I mean, yeah, strap in like this is going to be amazing. <laughs> like it'll blow your mind how easy it is. And honestly, if you use the pan drippings to make a little like gravy, it'll change your whole world. And it'll give you the best of like what a turkey would, but in such a more like convenient size package. I did something, it was like a double garlic chicken that had sort of like an onion gravy from a little while ago. That was a good one. It was like just like rubbed in like just absolute tons of like both fresh garlic and garlic powder. That's one to consider. I think yeah. shawarma roast chicken with shallots and lemons. Ooh. It's an Andy Baragani Ooh. recipe. Yeah. 
starts with a whole chicken and a lot of really aromatic spices, and you smear yogurt all over the chicken. That's, you know, this yogurt with all the spices. Mm. You let it sit room temperature on a baking sheet so it gets to soak in all that yummy yogurt goodness, and then you roast it. It is not scary. You put the, you know, chicken breast side up, and you nestle like shallots into the chicken and lemon slices all around. So the pan juices that are produced are going to be, you know, super flavorful. And you put a little bit of water into the pan, which is something I did growing up so that it can, you know, produce even more juice. And, you know, whether you're making potatoes to put that into, whether you have pita, whether you have rice, it's a really good roast chicken recipe. I have one more chicken. Uh, Kendra did a chicken for Thanksgiving menu a couple years back on Epicurious. It's called Miso Butter Roast Chicken with Acorn Squash Panzanella. And it's pretty much your whole meal right there. It feels really festive. It has acorn squash and sage and rosemary and apples. And it's just truly delicious and special and autumnal. More kind of like an all-in-one experience. Mm -hmm. then you could add a salad if you want or concentrate yeah. on pie. Totally. Love that. Oh, my gosh. There's a chicken under a skillet with lemon pan sauce, which is like an all-in-one because you make this roast chicken that's spatchcocked in like your biggest skillet, take it out, and then any burnt bits on there, you make this like white wine parsley sauce. It's a Claire Saffitz 2018 recipe. Ooh, uh-huh. And I feel like it's very understated, but like I think it would be very elegant for just like two people and has everything in one pan. To me, the presence of gravy, that's the tipping point. That's like the difference between like Sunday night dinner and like a holiday celebration. You know, that like unctuous kind of like saucy element that kind of ties whatever you've got going on on your plate together. That's where it's at for me. But um, not to say like don't do a buttermilk brined chicken, but I feel like maybe roast a slightly more streamlined, approachable bird like any of the ones that we've mentioned and try that one like next just because it's like a very particular experience. This is exactly what I wanted and all of these recipes you guys would like add like carrots or potatoes or whatever in the pan with the chicken. It depends. Okay. Like real talk, the more I want to make a dedicated gravy from the drippings of a bird, the less I'm going to put in with that bird. Because all of like the schmaltzy goodness and the juices are going to be absorbed into the veg, you know, that are around it. And to that effect, like, yeah, do what, you know, Maggie's talking about with that kind of all-in-one chicken experience or, you know, Andy's like shawarma roasted chicken. That's more of like an all-in-one experience that I is not as readily going to lend itself to making, like, a true gravy from whatever's left. Then again, I mean, like, whatever. Brown off some additional, like, aromatics, like onion and and garlic and whatever's left in the pan after you pull that stuff out. Throw in some white wine. Throw in some broth. Throw in a dash of soy sauce, Worcestershire sauce. Like, deepen the color, deepen the flavor. Bring that umami out, and you're off and running. No, I love all of these ideas, um, but the gravy is feeling very seasonally appropriate. I agree. Cool. Claire, hey, one Philly person to another, it's been great having you on. And I'll see you in the hood, okay? Okay, definitely. Thank you guys so much. Have a happy holiday. Thank you. You too. And that concludes our special Thanksgiving call-in edition of Dinner SOS. How is everybody feeling? I might have to go buy some pie after this. I feel good. I feel like we help some people. I'm excited to hear how it all came out. Doesn't it, like, almost make you actually excited about Thanksgiving again? Absolutely. I think there's this tendency 
particularly in food media, to just, like, be very tepid about Thanksgiving. To, like, lean into the negative aspects of the holiday, like the chaos, the pressure of the cooking. But, like, when you talk to people about Thanksgiving, the fact that, like, for them, this is one day of the year that is so special. It is a bit of a culinary marathon. But the amount of, like, joy and creativity and love that goes into it, honestly, like, this experience, like, actually talking to people about it makes me feel genuinely excited. I mean, at the end of the day, the holiday is about gratitude Mm -hmm. and coming together as a family and friends and eating food. Yeah. And those are all my favorite things. So no turkeys are parted in my household. I'm team turkey. I'm team Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday. Well, so nice to have all of you. And I'm, I love that, like, Kate, you retain your enthusiasm for the holiday. Jesse, we haven't worn you down. I still feel like there's, like, a spark in there. I'm good. I'm good. And Maggie, like, when in doubt, go with a drink. When in doubt, yeah. have a drink. Have a drink. <laughs> Well, we hope we were able to solve our listeners' emergencies, and we hope that maybe those out there listening got some ideas from today's show as well. You can find all the recipes we mentioned today on the Epicurious app brought to you by Condé Nast. Just search Epicurious in the App Store and download today. Thank you to my wonderful co-hosts, Maggie Hoffman, Jesse Shefchek, and Kate Kasson for joining me. Today's show was produced by Michelle O'Brien and our executive producer and bringer of prosciutto, Jordan Bell. Peyton Hayes is our associate producer. Cameron Foose is our assistant producer. Jake Loomis is our studio engineer. Amar Lal mixed this episode. And as we wrap up, I just wanted to say, we've been doing this dinner SOS thing for over a year now, and we really couldn't do it without listeners like you. So this Thanksgiving season, know that the whole team and I are grateful for your support. Next week, you'll hear from listeners, including some of our live callers, how Thanksgiving went. If you want to send us a voice memo about your holiday, you can get it to us at dinnersos at bonappetit.com or leave us a voice message at 212-286-SOS1. That's 212-286-7071. And as always... That's the best way to get us your questions and dinner emergencies. Here at Dinner SOS, we love tackling your kitchen issues. But what if I told you there's a way to rescue dinner before it turns into an emergency? With expert insights from the test kitchen, cooking and entertaining tips, and a treasury of over 50,000 recipes, Bon Appetit and Epicurious are your lifelines to rescue any meal. And right now, our listeners can get 20% off an annual digital subscription, including access to the user-friendly Epicurious app. Just use code SOS20 at bonappetit.com. That's SOS20 for a 20% discount on an annual digital subscription to Bon Appetit and Epicurious. Happy cooking. And don't worry, I'll still be here if your dinner plan self-destructs. <laughs>